This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Tarzan and the coward. One might have searched far and wide before finding a more complete antithesis of Tarzan's jungle than the New York penthouse of stockbroker William Dudley Pembler. And yet the paths of those who occupied the Park Avenue apartment were destined to cross that of the Lord of the Jungle. Already, as Pembler's nephew Harry toyed with a highball in his hand and watched his visitor nervously, fate was designing the blueprints for the meeting. I asked you not to come here, Scorati. Afraid your uncle will find out you keep bad company? No, no, it's not that. It's just that... See here, Scorati, I'll get the money for you. You said that three weeks ago. The old bird's so fond of you, why don't you make him come across? He doesn't approve of gambling. I have no other way of explaining why I need $30,000. But give me two months and I'll walk right into your office with the money. Yeah, sure. Look, my uncle and I are going on a hunting trip to Africa, and when I get back, I'll have plenty of dough. How come? I, uh, I overheard him talking to his lawyer on the phone last night. He told him something about changing his will, and later I heard him spell my name out. And so on this little hunting trip, you'll see that his death comes a little sooner than he expects, huh? Hey, you don't have to answer that. I know your type. Only how do I know you won't decide to stay over there and Welsh on your death? No, no, really I won't. Of course, there's one thing I could do about it. I might decide to come along. No, you can't do that in the first place. That must be my uncle now. You'll have to get out of here. I'll, I'll think of something. There's nothing to think about. Do I come along or do Uncle and I have a little talk right now? You, you come along. Only don't say anything about... Good evening, Uncle. Hello, Harry. This is Mr. Uh, Smith. He, he's a big game expert. He wants to go along with us on our trip. Well, I think there might be room for one or two more. I'll uh, talk it over with Mr. Pembler tonight, Mr. Smith. I'll call you in the morning. Okay. Well, happy to know you, Smith. Perhaps we'll be seeing each other. Could be. I'll show you to the door. I can find it, Harry. Market closed strong today, Uncle? Pretty fair. 
Say, if you want this fellow Smith along, Harry, it's all right with me. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Forget the sir, Harry. And forget the uncle business, too. If we're going to be buddies on this big game hunt, it'll have to be strictly Harry and Bill. Well, that's swell with me, Bill. It might interest you to know, Harry, that I took care of something with my lawyer today. Oh? What was that? I signed a new will. You're now administrator of my estate. Administrator? It'll pay you a small fee every month, and if by any chance you outlive Billy, you'll come into the whole estate. But the important thing is that I'll have someone I feel close to managing things. You know, Harry, I I feel closer to you than I do to my own son. Oh, come on now. That's true. I suppose it sounds strange to hear a father talk this way, but I'm ashamed of Billy, even that name. I was never called Billy in my whole life. It does fit him, though. I guess that's what his mother always called him. Well, I don't want to say anything against Helen, rest her soul, but she did mollycoddle the boy. Well, I suppose it was natural, an only child. That's no excuse. I was an only child, and I was always small for my age. But there wasn't a kid in the neighborhood I was afraid of. I took them all on. I was captain of my high school football team. I used to box fellows that outweighed me by 30 pounds. And I used to go duck hunting when it was ten below zero. You haven't been hunting until you've hunted in Africa. That's what I mean, Harry. You're not a whole lot older than Billy, but... You've been everywhere and you've done things. Hunted in Africa, learned how to fly a plane, all that stuff. You've got courage and, well, let's face it, Billy's a coward. Oh, I wouldn't say that. It's true. (laughs) I finally bullied him into trying out for his high school football team this afternoon, but I know he won't make it. One scrimmage was probably enough for him. You in the study, Dad? Yes, come on in, Billy. Hi, cuz. I don't see any black eyes. Maybe the bruises are where they don't show, huh, Billy? How did you do with the football tryouts? Uh, uh, I didn't report to the field, Dad. Oh. Oh, Gee, I can't help it if I'm not interested in in football and stuff like that. No, you're not interested in anything except music and art and the debating society. I wish I knew some way to make you more like Harry here. Bill, how about taking Billy along with us to Africa? Uh, I don't think I'd like that, Harry. He didn't ask you, he asked me. And I think it's a swell idea. But I wouldn't want to fire guns and kill animals and... The more I think about it, the better I like it. Maybe it'll make a man out of you. That's the angle, Bill. As the expression goes, it'll either cure him or kill him. In just a moment, we shall return to our story. For some time, Tarzan had remained alone except for the company of wild beasts. And once again, he longed for the companionship of humans. His path led him in the direction of the camp of the Punya tribe. For there, he would see Torgo, the small native boy who was almost like a son to him. Suddenly, he stopped short. Before him on the ground was Wapi, the antelope, a small arrow through its heart. Tarzan glanced at the feather-tipped shaft in anger, and then he hastened his footsteps until he reached the Punya village. Torgo! Torgo! Torgo, not here, Tarzan. Go with Mother to hunt Dairoots. It is well for him, Pandago, for I am full of anger against him. Tarzan angry against Torgo? Why? I have considered him like a son, and yet he disregards my lessons. Just south of here, I saw Wapi, the antelope on the ground, dead. He had Torgo's arrow in him. Tarzan has taught Torgo to be good shooter of arrows. I taught him so that he could kill for food or in self-defense. Not so that he could destroy lives wantonly. Torgo, good boy. I cannot agree that he is a good boy. I shall have to find a new son. 
Tarzan's disappointment in Torgo did not lessen his desire for human companionship. Someday he would find a boy whom he could raise with his own feeling for the other denizens of the jungle. The sound of rifle fire brought his thoughts to an abrupt ending. He took to the upper level of jungle growth, and in a matter of minutes he was directly over the hunting party for New York. He crouched in a fork of a tree, listening so that he could determine the nature of these strangers. Next time I'll get the first shot in. None of this waiting for Billy to try his hand. Can't say that I blame you for being sore, Harry. By the time we raised our guns, the critters were out of range. Why didn't you fire, Billy? Uh, those uh, those trees, uh, they were in the way. That's a lot of hokum. You had a perfect shot. You see, Billy, even Mr. Smith is ashamed of you. It's no use, Dad. I just can't kill animals. You'll learn before we leave the jungle. There are many better things to learn. Hey, what you come from? Gee, you jumped right down from the trees, didn't you? Hey, put that gun down, Harry. He's probably got his whole tribe with him. I'm alone. But it's well you lower your thunder stick. I am Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. What do you want, Tarzan? Were I to come to your city... You might well ask me that question, but since you've come to my land, the question is mine. What do you want? We're just on a little hunting trip, Tarzan. We mean no harm to you or anyone else. Oh, that is well. How old are you, boy? Me? I'm 16, almost. You do not like to kill animals? No, I don't. Do you like it here in Tarzan's jungle? I like the forest, the wonderful birds and the flowers. He likes the flowers and the birds. Ain't that something for a kid? He'll learn, or he isn't any son of mine. Before we leave here, he'll bag his share of animals. I wouldn't be surprised to see him knock off an elephant or a rhino. You are the boy's father, and you encourage him to kill? It's none of your business, Tarzan. But it so happens that the reason we brought Billy on this expedition was to cure him of being a coward. Dad, why do you always keep saying that? You seem to have chosen the wrong son, Tarmangani. Or else he has chosen the wrong father. the idea of that guy Tarzan hanging around a camp. He's not hanging around. He told Bill off and then he disappeared in the trees. He hasn't left. I saw him in the distance just after dinner. Okay, so he's around. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? The natives are bad enough. You want a white man walking into some court in Nairobi or Mambosa to tell you how you knocked off your uncle and your young cousin in order to get their money? No one's going to see me when I do it. Maybe you figure on backing out. Sure take me out long enough. You better get going as soon. I'll do it. Only I'm picking my time carefully. One of these days, I'll find Bill when no one else is around. How about the kid? Billy? I don't even think we'll have to do anything about him. The way he keeps wandering away from camp, nature may give us a helping hand. What do you mean? Did you hear a leopard in the distance a little while ago? Yeah, but I've heard lots of leopards during the last few weeks. Sure. But they sound different when they're hungry. That means they're stalking a kill. And when I last saw Billy, he was walking in the direction of that leopard. Almost a mile from the camp, Billy walked aimlessly, his head down, tears streaking his face. He broke off a slender shaft of bamboo and used it as a whip against the side of his boots. Occasionally, he saw a loose rock and kicked it along until it lost itself in the dense underbrush. His mind was busy, and he had no suspicion that Sheeta, the leopard, was close at hand. The stealthy animal glided along the ground, his body a low, narrow shaft of death. The boy paused to examine a strange jungle orchid, and Sheeta crouched lower, then sprang. Before his lethal talons could rip into the boy, a huge figure hurtled from an overhanging vine, and Tarzan's knife gleamed in the moonlight as it flashed downward. Tarzan, watch out! He's wriggling free! Get away! There! You, you, you killed him! What are you doing? Why, why did you do that? That was the victory cry of the bull ape. 
was a baby, an ape by the name of Kayla took me from my cradle to take the place of her own baby who died. I was raised by Kayla, and much I do is because of the things she taught me. That's how it is with me. My dad just doesn't understand. But my mother was against fighting and hunting and that sort of thing. She taught me to love the beautiful things in life. Of course, if you walk in the jungle alone at night, you'll not live long enough to enjoy the beautiful things of life. I don't care whether I live or not. My father thinks I'm a coward. Oh? Are you? I don't know. I don't like fighting. Well, that doesn't make you a coward. I dislike fighting, but I do fight when it is necessary to protect myself or to save the life of a friend. I, I didn't thank you for, for saving my life. <laughs> Words are not necessary, particularly when I saved only that for which you care so little. M maybe I didn't exactly mean that. No, Tarzan knows what you mean. You would like life if those around you were kinder to you. Well, there's something you could do about that. You could find new friends, new father. Perhaps you could come to Tarzan's home as his son. I couldn't do that. I can't leave now. My dad's in danger. In danger? My cousin Harry and the man he calls Smith intend to kill my father and then me. What? I overheard them talking one night. They didn't know I was listening. It was late. Harry called Smith by a different name. And he told him he'd pay him some money he owed him as soon as they killed dad and me. Well, did you tell your father this? No. He would have said I made it up because... Because I don't like Harry and was afraid. Well, are you afraid? Y yes. <laughs> the admission is a sign of courage. Billy, I shall return to your camp with you. Before your cousin Harry and Smith can kill your father and you, they shall have to kill Tarzan first. <laughs> I guess he couldn't sleep. Well, let's not say anything to him about what you overheard or why I've come to stay in your camp. Dad will be glad to have you. But Harry's... Shh, shh, quiet, quiet. Harry, he's sneaking out of his tent. He has his rifle with him. Look, he's pointing at Dad's back. Stay here. What happened? Harry, Tarzan. I knocked his gun out of his hand before he had a chance to shoot you in the back. Shoot me in the back? Harry? You crazy meddling fool. I saw a lion just beyond Bill. I didn't want to alarm him. I thought it might spring if he moved. I did not catch the scent of Numa the lion. Where did the animal go? I guess it ran off. I guess it's time for me to turn in. I'm sure you meant well, Tarzan, but Harry certainly had no intention of shooting at me. Are you all right, Dan? Billy! I thought you were asleep hours ago. I was, uh, I was talking to Tarzan. He'd like to join our party. I could be most helpful as a guide, Mr. Pembler. Good. Name your price, and I shall be happy to meet it. It's easy to see that you know this jungle better than I don't like it, I tell you. How can you trust a white man who lives in a jungle like some black savage? He might be very useful. How do you make that out? You said something a while back about a court in Nairobi or Mombosa. <laughs> I think maybe I'll visit one of those courts when I leave the jungle. I can report in great sadness that my beloved uncle and my darling little cousin have been murdered by Tarzan. <laughs> Back to Tarzan and the Coward in just a moment. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> 
from the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Rouses! With crits starting as large as 11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. So Tarzan remained with the Pembler hunting party. Bill Pembler looked upon the jungle giant with frank admiration, Billy with open adoration, and the other two men with thinly veiled hatred. If you know so much about this district, Tarzan, why don't you scare up some big game for us? Yeah, how about some of them rhinoceroses? I shall scout their countryside. They usually remain in the colder climates north of here, but perhaps I can find an isolated herd. Come, Billy. We'll see if we can locate some targets for your bloodthirsty friends. Is it okay to go with Tarzan, Dad? Sure. Maybe he can teach you a little bravery. We will change that, Billy. We have two things to do now. Protect your father and change his opinion of you. Do you think it's safe to go off and leave him with those two? They're not alone. Last night, while the camp slept, I visited the crawl of my friends, the Punyas. No less than a dozen Punya warriors watch out for your father at all times now. Gee, you're wonderful, Tarzan. It's good for you to think that. A son should admire his father, and a father is son. Perhaps, Billy, you may decide to remain in the jungle. Where are we going now? To look for rhinos? In your time? First, I shall show you my jungle, or at least a little part of it. I shall lead you over the upper level of jungle growth where the apes travel. I shall instruct you in the art of the bow and arrow. And I shall show you the hidden lagoon where I swim. You like to swim, Billy? Uh, I've always been afraid of swimming. <laughs> well, with Tarzan, you'll not be afraid. Sit up, Billy. Shooter, the sun sinks in the heaven. One more dive. <laughs> All right, one more dive. I almost took bottom that time. Come on. Up you go. Here, I'll give you a hand. Thanks. Hmm. Are there really pearls in the bottom of the lagoon, Tarzan? <laughs> no, not really. I first made up that story when I was persuading a little native boy to dive. Come, we better get into our clothes. It is getting chilly. The sun goes down quickly in the jungle. That's because we're near the equator. Here there's little dawn or dusk. Billy? Have you been near my clothes? Near your clothes? No. My knife has been removed from its sheath. Tarzan and Billy dressed quickly and headed back to the camp. Tarzan's mind dwelled on the loss of his knife. 
It had little intrinsic value, even in the jungle. Its theft could mean only one thing. Someone intended to commit murder with the weapon and blame Tarzan for the crime. When the camp retired that night, Tarzan took up a vigil near the tent of Bill Pembler. What he had anticipated came to pass. Harry crept from his tent and approached that of his uncle. Tarzan's knife glistened in Harry's hand. He was about to enter the tent when his upraised arm was grasped in a grip of steel. You, you savage! Yes, I am a savage. And you represent the civilized man, eh? Perhaps savagery is best. I'll show you. I would not advise attacking me. That would not be courage. It would be suicide. Look, I, I can explain this. You may save your explanation. I'm sure you heard a lion about to enter the camp and you were on your way to kill him with my knife. I, I found the knife. I know you did. And it's cheap. That was courageous of you to steal it. Well, you shall have your chance to prove your courage. Tomorrow I shall lead you to the Tarbuto, the white rhinoceros. The most ferocious of its kind. Are you awake, Scaretti? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm awake. Only you better remember that my name's Smith. What, what time is it? It's early. But we'll be breaking camp soon to find the rhinos, and I wanted to talk to you. What about? About Tarzan. He's getting wise. Has he said anything to your uncle? No, I don't think so. But we can't risk having him around much longer. Now, I have a plan. Oh, you and your plans. This one ought to work. Go on. When and if we spot the rhinos, I'll go ahead. I'll get Bill to stick with me. And I'll make sure he lands in the path of one of those man-killers. So? Tarzan will come running up. That's where you come in. You'll be hanging back, and you'll have your telescopic sight trained on him. With those two dead, we can take care of the kid. Maybe you got something there. Maybe you got something. Well, we've about reached our destination. The white rhinos are near here. I don't see nothing. You see this bed of dry dust? Looks like fine sand to me. It is alkali. The white rhinoceros isn't really white at all. He's just a little lighter in color than the black rhino. But he loves to roll in this dust when he comes from the water. And the alkali dust makes him look white? That's right. When it hardens, it looks almost pure white in some lights. Okay, that's enough of the nature study lecture. Let's get going. I think that's very interesting, Mr. Smith. Let's not be impatient. I'm impatient too, Bill. Let's find him. It's best to wait until we locate the herd by the oxpeckers. Now, what kind of a fable are we going to hear? I hesitate to give you another lecture, but... The oxpeckers, or rhino birds, are the surest omens of the animal we seek. They ride on the backs of the rhinos, picking off ticks... But if we see them, make no noise, for they often warn the rhinos of the approach of the hunter. Hey, Tarzan, but those be oxpeckers over there? Way over by that big hill? Ah, you're developing eyes suitable for the jungle, Billy. A quiet man, we must approach with caution. I'll go ahead. Come on, Billy. Tarzan and Smith can bring up the rear. Well, there they are. A whole herd of them. This is worth coming to Africa for. Come on, Bill. Got your gun ready, Billy? I don't think I can fire it. You're going to follow them, Smith? I'll stay a little back and cover them with my gun in case of trouble. Even with those four-foot horns, the rhinos stand little chance against the Tarmon Gunny's thunder sticks. You coming, Billy? I'll be along soon. We can't get a shot at them when they're half-submerged in the water. Maybe if I stand on the bank, I can make one of them charge toward me. Then we can both get a good shot, Bill. It's risky, Harry. So's life. Come on. Look, Harry and Dad, they're almost beside the rhinos. Where's Tarzan? Well, he got scared and took to the trees. Look, one of them's charging Harry. Oh, he's gone down under it. The rhino's killing Harry. Oh, now he's turning on Dad. Smith, what are you doing? Where are you aiming? No, you don't. 
What happened? Where am I? You're safe in the forest, Mr. Pembley. Harry's dead, and so is Mr. Smith. Smith, too? I, uh, I don't remember what happened. Yes, you lost consciousness. I was too late to save Harry from the rhino, but I managed to pull you away just in time. And where was Smith? Back in the trees, getting a good beat on you through his telescopic sight. You see, Harry and he had been plotting to kill you for a long time. Smith's real name was Scarati. He told us that and a lot more before he died. But if he was all the way back when we left him, how did the rhinos kill him? They didn't. Billy shot him when he saw that his father's life was at stake. Billy, you used a gun? Yes, Dad. He was not afraid when it was important to fight. You see, there are all sorts of courage, Mr. Pembler. All sorts of cowardice, too. Harry was afraid to tell you he owed money, yet he possessed the type of false courage that led to his death. All his life, Scarati lacked the courage to work for an honest living. And you lack the courage to accept the son you cannot understand because he's different from you. I have invited Billy to remain here in the jungle as my son. Do you want to stay here with Tarzan, Billy? Well, you're my real dad, but, but if you don't want me... I do want you, son. I want you, and I'm proud of you. I know now that you're as courageous as, well, as Tarzan here. And you won't have to prove it by killing animals or leaping from tree to tree. In just a moment, we'll return to tell you about our next story. Our next story is called The Female of the Species. In the story, Tarzan acquires a new friend, a most amusing parrot, and he also acquires new enemies, a tribe of vicious female warriors who lure Tarzan to their jungle city, capture him, inflict murderous torture upon him, and prove without a doubt that the female of the species is more deadly in the mail. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Lesser. This is a Commodore production. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of the female of the species. For once, Tarzan's life was peaceful and uncomplicated. The dread Tarmangani, the white men, had not appeared in the jungle for many moons. Wapi, the antelope, Bara, the deer, and Horta, the boar, waxed fat, 
supplying fine meat. And in the fields, the Kaffir corn of the Punya tribe grew tall. Tarzan remained with the Punyas, fishing and hunting and resting. His face wore a contented smile as he walked along a narrow path and entered the village. The smile broke into a broad grin as he paused before Sui, a young native girl. Well, Sui, looks as though you have a new pet. It's <laughs> Nita. Yes, I can see it's a bird. It's what? Icona? A green eagle? Oh, no, Sui, the bird is a parrot. A parrot? Yeah, so sometimes people teach them to talk. Oh, Tarzan teases Sui. No, I mean it. There aren't many around here. I might have caught one and taught it to talk myself. I see. Ah, yes, I thought so. This bird is a stranger to this country. What does he mean? He's escaped from somewhere and flown here. See, he has a band about his leg. <laughs> Maybe a sparrow's wedding then. <laughs> no. no, he looks like a bachelor to me. He has no worried expression about his eyes. Someday, Tarzan, Mary. Language of parrot? A parrot will imitate anyone's language. Oh. I wonder what people owned him. Perhaps he comes from a Bantu tribe. Jumbo? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I guess not. Maybe he was a pet at the office of the French consulate. Bonjour, Monsieur Parrot. Bonjour. Oh. Oh. <laughs> parrot, not no, I'm not I'm not ready to give up yet. He may have belonged to a, a boar or an Englishman. Big groping. Uh, uh, hello. Oh, he moves wings. Jumbo four. You'll be growing. Hello. Well, if I had him for one month, I could teach him to say everything. Uh, Suey. Yes, Tarzan? Do uh, I own anything for which you would like to trade this bird? Oh, Tarzan can have birds. Jumbo four. You'll be growing. Hello. <laughs> Perhaps you'd like this, uh, this amulet of bronze. Oh, if Tarzan wants to make gift of amulet to Suey, she'd be much happy. But even without gift, Parrot gives Tarzan. Suey gives Tarzan anything she owns. Oh, thank you, Suey, but the charm is yours. Here, I'll, I'll just put it around your neck. <laughs> Bill. Yes, Bill. That's a good name for the parrot. Can you say your name? Bill? Bill. You'll be growing. Hello. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do, Suey? I'm going to take him with me when I leave for my seacoast cabin. By the time I return, he, he shall know many, many words. Tarzan leaves soon? Perhaps when Goro the Moon rises over the Congo. Oh, well, first the strange warrior who wait for Tarzan in jungle. What? A strange warrior? What are you talking about, Sui? Oh, Sui forgot. She was looking for cooking herbs when great tall stranger grabbed her arm. He say, send Tarzan to me. Why didn't he come into the village? Oh, afraid upon your warriors. Here, you better take care of Bill for me. I shall find out the business of this great tall stranger. Well, be careful, Tarzan. Now, I shall be aware of tricks. I don't like the sound of the warrior's actions. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry about me, Bill. I shall be back for you. Tell me your name and your tribe. State your business with Tarzan. Me, Mirabo, Senegalese. A Senegalese? What are you doing here thousands of miles from Senegal? Mirabo's people choose him to come to Tarzan, Lord of Jungle. I do not know your people. Senegalese know of Tarzan. No Tarzan strong, brave, wise. Only Tarzan can help my people in time of big trouble. What is your big trouble? All young men of tribe disappear one at a time. Soon, none but women, old men, and babies left. Oh, but slave raiding has virtually been wiped out, particularly on the West Coast. He's not slave raiders, Tarzan. Senegalese, no way of slavers. No signs of struggle in forest, no horses or camels, nothing. Well, whatever it is, it does not concern Tarzan. Talk to your government people in Dakar. I've been to Dakar. I've been to Villa Cisneros, Spanish capital of Rio de Oro near Mirabo's tribe. Well? They send soldiers, not find anything. 
And how do you expect me to find anything? You, Tarzan. I would like to help you, but I've had many injuries lately. I hesitate because of the trek of thousands of miles required to reach your country. Both waits at Lagos to take Mirabo and Tarzan to Senegal. If Tarzan not come, no longer he be called Lord of Jungle. <laughs> I shall come, Mirabo. Not to keep my title, but your respect. We shall return to Tarzan in just a moment. Wind blows. Look like much trouble. We'll be docking within the hour. Surely the storm will not attack that quickly. Mirab will not think of ship in storm. He think of people in his village. Often during storm, Kahali's spirit steal our young men. You said you didn't know who stole your young men. Who or what is this Kahali spirit? Only name, Tarzan. People not know what or who it is. Only that often in storm, Usha, the wind, sing in new voice. And when storm has gone, gone too is Senegalese warrior. You're sure the wind sings in a new voice? What is this nonsense you speak, Mirabo? Mirabo speak with straight tongue. Song of Usha, sweet and strange, like voice of angel. Angel of death. We will not speak of it again. I cannot afford to be misled by your tribal superstitions. As soon as we've disembarked, we will go immediately to the district where the Kahali spirit steals your warriors. First Tarzan come to Senegal village for welcome feast. There will be time enough for feasts and celebrations when the Kahali is no more. Uh, it's a good road, no, Tarzan? Yes, for our country, this road is fine. The clay is hard packed. And yet, despite the work of cutting through the jungle growth, I always feel more comfortable when there is no path. As Tarzan and Mirabo travel north, path disappear. Kajigja was the last city we passed? One village at our remain before we reached border of Rio de Oro. And you believe the Kahale lies in that direction? Strange song of Kahale come from there. If only you would stick to facts instead of relying on your imagination. What was that? What was what? That strange, far-off sound. Mirabo hear nothing was Tarzan's imagination. There. I heard it again. Mirabo heard nothing. Perhaps Tarzan's hearing is more acute. I... I guess I heard the call of the Kahali. But if the strange music had not been a mere figment of Tarzan's imagination, at least it was heard no more that night nor the next. The last outpost of civilization, the tiny city of Atar, was left behind. Mile after mile of tangled forest was traversed, and then suddenly Mirabo's eyes were fixed and glassy. No. No, Mirabo, don't look like that. Mirabo, don't let it get you under its spell. I come, Kahari. Mirabo! I come! I come, Kahari! I'll catch you, Mirabo. I'll run after you until my legs desert my body. But although Tarzan ran with all his might, he could not overtake the entranced Mirabo. His legs ached from the running. His body was wet with heat and exhaustion. His tongue was swollen from thirst. And as he staggered on, the strange, beckoning call echoed in his ears, dinned in his brain, blotting out all else until Mirabo was forgotten and only the haunting melody existed. And as night descended on the Congo, the voice of Kahale finally led Tarzan to a small orchid strewn clearing with a babbling spring. Water. Wonderful water. Oh, an urn. Oh, wonderful silver urn. 
<laughs> the water is as clear as a shaft of moonlight. Good. Oh, sleepy. Tarzan is so sleepy. Over there, that soft bower of sweet-smelling boughs and moss. He's very strong. Senor Tarzan is también muy guapo. Sí, he is very handsome. Can't leave Marena. Silencio. It is agreed that he is strong and handsome and has bronze skin. But we must bind him quickly and carry him within the walls of our fortress. He's no hurry. King Goliola might try to make him sleep long. It is a powerful opiate. But according to the stories, this Tarzan has the strength of a hundred men. And he may awaken soon. <laughs> Not awaken from King Goliola. Silencio. Consuelo Delvadas has spoken. The prisoner is to be bound and carried to the temple of justice. Tarzan, is you? Rabu? Yes, Buana. I cannot move. Help me, Rabu, in chains. I will come to you. Oh. I... I also am in chains. And our prison is a heavy stone. How long has Tarzan been here? I don't know. I was just awakened by your groans. Or perhaps they were my own. My head swims even now. Tarzan and Mirabo drugged the powerful Kingo of Wakioka, Mirabo thinks. Uh, but the Wakioka are many moons from here. They are friendly to Tarzan. Us not prisoners of Wakioka, the snake man, though they everywhere in Africa. We prisoners of Kahali. Well, now we have some idea of how they lure their victims with with some strange melody and and then drug them. Perhaps we can find out the secret of their music and their ways. And what they have done with your men. If we live long enough to find out. Unless someone comes. This woman. With man and chains, woman it is equal. I would not attempt to escape. We are hardly likely to run away with these heavy chains and great locks securing us. What do you want with Mirabo and Tarzan? It's an Kalitsas to remain here. You are to come to our trial chamber, Tarzan. A trial chamber? See? Si? I shall come willingly. When you stand before the court, Tarzan, I would advise you to be careful in your speech. There are some who would have you live, but uh, a few hasty words would change that. What do you mean? Well, I've said too much already. The trial awaits your presence. It is made of costly thick wood and rare marble. And it's only set with an empire's treasure of jewels. But the workmanship, who, who created such a pavilion? Silencio, the court convinced. The trial begins. Advance, Sergeant. I have advanced to your throne, woman of beauty. But I shall make talk only with your chief. I am chief of Kahali. You? But you're a woman. 
There are none but women in this courtroom. There are none but women within the heavy walls of our fortress. What? We have no men. No live men. What have you done with the men you lured here, the Senegalese? Your tone is one of impertinence, but I shall answer. The men who have been brought here, both men of Senegal and those of other lands, have lived briefly. They have slaved and sweated and toiled, as men have long made women work. And when our use for them was finished, they were killed, snuffed out, as though they were nothing but puny, unimportant women of your world. Until now, I have never held women in contempt. But although your speech is cultured and your skin is whiter than many of your followers, you are more of a savage than the most uneducated black of my jungle. More of a savage? I am Consuelo de Valles. The blood of Castile flows in my veins. You do poorly by the flag of Spain. Bastante. You shall remain in prison until dawn, and then you shall die by a woman's sword. No, you must not kill Tarzan. He's friend of my people. He has the strength of a hundred men. I could do much work in our city. He is a man. Our vow is to kill all men. But he is too handsome to die. We shall have a vote then. Either he dies tomorrow, or he remains a prisoner among us. Bring out the voting kettle. Here is voting kettle, great guy. In the golden box beside my throne are two sections. One contains kernels of corn, the other small rocks. Each of you, my subjects, will pause before the box and take that which you choose. You will advance and drop one or the other in the kettle. No one will know how you cast your ballot. A kernel of corn for life, a small stone for death. So be it. Corn for life, stone for death. File before the throne and drop your token. Tenga instead of Spreeza. A kernel of corn, a vote that I live. And one for my death. Life. Death. I have an even chance. To our dramatic story of Tarzan after a short message. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. In the morning, Tarzan would be dead. But while he lived, he stood by the tiny window of his cell and examined as much of the fabulous city of women as he could see. The city was not large but it was magnificent in its architecture and construction. And he was resolved to find out as much about the city and its occupants as he could before he died. His appearance and his personality worked wonders, even with these women. And from Margarita, his jailer, and from Iguana, who brought him a meager meal, he learned much. In Sevilla, Consuelo del Barros was a great musician, a pianist and an advanced student of harmonics and instrumentation. Yes, Margarita? She learned how to make a mirror break by the sounding of a note on a tuning fork. 
and how to make a dog howl by striking a note unheard by human ears. Yeah, great science. Well, we can well, it was a game, a sort of amusement. Until the day her love was spurned by Don Jose Casara, director of the Sevilla Opera Company. It was then that she designed the instrument that now leads many men to their death. After many years of work, she perfected it. And on the eve of Don Jose's marriage to another woman, she lured him to the edge of a great cliff and to his death below. Unrequited love is understandable. It often leads to violence, but all of these other men... The influence of her family enabled her to flee to the African Cali Rio de Oro, a Spanish possession. But each new man she met there reminded her of her dead lover. She lured them all to their death. And then she founded this city. But the rest of you... Well, all of us have good reasons for hating men. I tell you these things, Tarzan, only because you can tell them to no one else. In the morning, you shall join a legion of men who have been killed by the Kahale. Tell me, Ibuana, why did you join the Kahale? Ibuana's father no good. Kick mother and beat children. Ibuana always hate him. When Ibuana eleven, father sell her for two head of cattle as wife for Yorogi. A sorcerer. He too was unkind to you? He horrible old man. Teach Ibuana to take Tingoriola. Drug that destroys. He beat me and pushed thorns under Ibuana's skin. But you could have gone to your Mutemi. Mutemi is man. Ibuana hate men. She kill husband and run. Consuela the Kahali find Ibuana in woods and leads her to city with song of Kahali. You mean those haunting notes have the same effect upon women? They cast spells. But with women it means deliverance from men. With men it means death. Many will follow Tarzan to grave. Yorabo! Yorabo! Are you in the next cell? Yorabo! Come to your window. We can talk better. All right. Yorabo at window. Can you hear me? We have no time for sorrow. Listen, I've been asking many questions. If I ask any more, they will grow too suspicious. Find out where we are. Mirabo, no. Could find place any time from position of mountains in distance. Oh, I-, I can't see any from my window. Well, then you don't have to waste questions with that. Has Ibuana brought you a meal yet? No. She brought me one. She's probably gone back for yours. When she comes, beg her to let you see the strange instrument that sounds the call of Kahale. Tell her you're a friend of her people, the Wakayoka. And that it is your dying wish. Mirabo not think she bring it, even if she can. And it's worth a chance, Mirabo. It is our only chance. Yes? At window. Yes? Did you get it? The deal. If one leave it with Mirabo... But it does us no good. They have many. Is it small enough to pass through the window? Well, slide it along the wall outside of your window as far as you can manage. The rabble do as Buana say. Now, it's all the way out. As far as the rabble can reach. I, I can't feel it. The wall must be too thick. Stretch further. Can, cannot reach further, Tarzan. I, I, I can't reach it. Mirabo, are you extending it at the base of the window? Middle. Well, keep it there. I'll slide my hand up. I, I feel something. I've got it. What now, Tarzan? Tear something from your clothing or from your cot. Make wads of the material and stuff them in your ears. 
I shall do likewise. When it is late, I shall try my hand at the instrument. I shall pray that there is but one sentry, and I can lure her with the call of Kahali. We're beyond their call now. Take the plugs out, I said. Oh, why did we not destroy city and kill women, Buana? Ours is not to destroy, Mirabo. An eye for an eye and a death for a death has never solved any problem. Those women back there have minds that are twisted and warped. They require help. We will report fully to the authorities in Dakar, and then you will return to your people and I to mine. It is good, Tarzan. Many moons later, Tarzan approached the village of the Punya tribe once more. After his experience with the women of Kahili, his mind echoed with the sentiment sometimes expressed by other men. I care not if I never see another woman as long as I live. But as it so happened, Sui, the native girl to whom he had entrusted his parrot, Bill, was the first person he saw upon entering the crawl. Hello, Sui. <laughs> Tarzan, you are back. I've come for Bill. Now I shall take him to my home and teach him many words. Teach other birds also. Other birds? Bill lay eggs and hatch them while Tarzan is gone. You mean... You mean Bill turned out to be a female? <laughs> oh, then you keep him, Suey. Tarzan has had quite enough to do with a female of the species for a long, long time. In just a moment, we shall return to tell you about our next Tarzan story. was whispered in the still jungle night. It grew into a murmur within the boma of the native villages. And then, as the message was relayed by the talking drums of the jungle, it became hysteria. Nothing could stem the panic, for this was the end of the world. In our next story of Tarzan. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silver age heroes. 
Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of the end of the world. The equatorial sun was strong, and yet as it filtered down through the heavy foliage of the jungle... It was not uncomfortably hot. All was well with the world, and Tarzan was happy. At his side was Torgo, the small native boy of whom he was so fond. And it had been arranged for Torgo to spend the next moon with his tall, white friend. Yes, it was a good life. Tarzan smiled down at Torgo. You are a day's march away from Mamanagama already, Torgo. Are you sure you will not be lonesome? Torgo, not a day. Look, grown man now. <laughs> of course, of course. Only even grown men sometimes miss their home and their way. Torgo not miss home. We'll be too busy hunting elephants and panthers and wild boars. Well, we, we will have to hunt for food. And you will have a chance to practice your skill with your bow and arrow. But, Torgo, you must remember this time that animals are to be killed only for food or in self-protection. Torgo, remember? While Tarzan away, Torgo protect tribe against Volgani the gorilla and Numa the lion. Torgo very brave and strong. Well, of course you are. But, uh, Tarzan is tired, so if Torgo doesn't mind, we will have a short rest now. Well, if Tarzan tired... Oh, no, no, I wouldn't sit there, Torgo. <laughs> You're about to sit on Kota, the tortoise. Where? Kota? Is Kota dangerous? Tarzan... <laughs> oh, no, no, Kota will not harm you. He, he has heard of Torgo's reputation for strength and bravery, and even now he runs from you. Not move very fast. Well, it's running for him. No, he won't hurt you, Torgo, but I think that moss-covered log would make a better seat. Uh, uh, taking a rest wasn't a bad idea, Tarzan, you look funny. What is wrong? I thought I heard... Yes, it is. The cry of Tantor, the elephant. He's angry. Tantor angry? This is strange. I, I catch the scent of the Tarmangani, too. And yet an elephant seldom attacks a man. I must hurry to that spot. Someone is in grave trouble. Don't 
me tremble. Of course I won't. Jump on my back and hold your arms around my neck as tightly as you can. And remember, we must both be brave, whatever happens. With the small native boy hanging on for dear life, Tarzan streaked through the jungle. When obstacles loomed in his path, they grasped a hanging vine and hurtled over them. Now the scent of the elephant and of Tarmangani were close. Breaking into a small clearing, Tarzan could see the man kneeling upon the ground, his hands folded in prayer. And rushing toward the helpless target was Tantor, gone mad. But at the sound of Tarzan's savage cry, the call of the bull ape, the elephant swerved in its path and wheeled to face a new enemy. Now a charge straight at Tarzan and Torgo. But just as it was about to strike, Tarzan grasped an overhanging vine and swung out of the path of the rampaging animal. Come on, Gunny, is Mr. Martin, the missionary. Thank thee, Father, for sending Tarzan to save me. My prayers were answered, and I may yet be of service. Mr. Martin, take care of the boy. I must capture the rogue elephant before he kills anybody. Oh, no, let the animal go. What? You a man of the cloth, and yet you tell me to let a rogue elephant run free to murder all in his path? There is a far greater threat to life on the rampage. I have traveled many days to find you, Tarzan. Only you can save the people of the jungle from this new threat. My instincts tell me to follow that elephant. To kill him before he kills others. Believe me, the enemy of which I speak is greater. Even now, the talking drums of the jungle spread the message of horror, and soon there will be aught in the jungle save panic. In just a moment, we shall return to our story of Tarzan. They formed a strange picture, those three in the tiny clearing of the jungle. A small native boy with round, wondering eyes. By his side, Tarzan, bronzed and powerful. And before them, the slender, aesthetic-looking missionary, the Reverend Thaddeus Martin. As you know, Tarzan, I've devoted my life to missionary work. The last eight years among the people of the Negalia tribe. You have done much good work, Mr. Martin. But uh, you've not told me of the danger that you say threatens the whole jungle. Well, have patience just a moment, Tarzan. I'm getting to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Torgo's sorry, too. <laughs> what have you done to be sorry for, Torgo? Torgo did nothing. But if Tarzan's sorry, Torgo's sorry. All right, all right. Now, now we're both sorry, hmm? We will both be patient while Mr. Martin tells us his story. Well, as I was saying, I've spent eight years among the Negalis. To all outward appearances, they had become good Christians in their way. But a few weeks ago, they came to me with a fantastic story that we're soon to witness the end of the world. The end of the world? They've deserted my small church and they've returned to their pagan gods. Each night, the jungle throbs with their frenzied drums and their maniacal dances. The galliest old dances? A, a kind you will never see, I hope. It's spreading, Tarzan. Their talking drums have broadcast the fear to other tribes. And by the time the full moon has come, my work of eight years will be wiped out. And my people will return to complete savagery. But what can I do? Well, perhaps you can find out what and who is behind all of this. It's not the witch doctors, nor the snake men, nor the porcupine men. That much I know. But who else could originate such an idea? The, the end of the world? Oh, I don't know. I, I've questioned everyone in the tribe. They are too frightened to tell me anything. Mr. Martin, I, I will come with you. I will see what I can find out. But first, I must return Torgo to his people. The delay of a few days might mean the end of the world in a different sense, for violence may break out at any moment. If the end of the world comes, Tarzan, it not matter whether Torgo home in land of Punyas or land of Megalias. Every minute counts. Well, if this panic is spreading as rapidly as you say, Torgo will be no safer at home than with me. If you are ready, Mr. Martin, we will start for the land of the Megalias. <laughs> 
All that day, Tarzan and Torgo and the Reverend Martin marched through the jungle. Several times, Tarzan caught the scent of the rogue elephant, but there were more important things at hand. That night, they rested briefly, and by noon of the next day, they approached the crawl of the Nagalias. To all appearances, it was indeed the village of a people awaiting death. In the shamba, weeds choked out the young corn. Rodents overran the narrow paths between the cone-shaped huts. And the huts themselves were those of a people too sick in mind or body to care for their homes or their children. This is the sight that meets the eye by day, Tarson. At night, there is abandoned. You uh, still have a room for sleeping attached to your small church? Yes, of course. It's but a short walk from the village. Well, if you will take Torgo there, I prefer to talk to the people alone. Torgo, not want to leave Tarzan. I may need your help later, Torgo. It would be better if you were well rested. All right, then. Come, Torgo. Peace go with you, Tarzan. Peace with you, Tarzan. What white man want? Galias not want white man. Wait. Not wait. And well come soon. All white men go to Lubuga. What's I have no intention of going to the inferno in the near future. The end of the world is not at hand. Signs plain. End world come at full moon. Your breath smells of much Kangala, and your words are those of a man Kangala has robbed of reason. Where is your chief? Me, Sibali, chief of Nagalia. What do you want? I am Tarzan, lord of the jungle. I come because you spread fear through the land. This false story of the end of the world is true. You white men, all white men, enemies. Tarzan is your friend. He takes the armlet from his arm and gives it to you as a sign of friendship. Sibali, not take. Has no ornament to give in place. You speak in truth. You wear no ornament. There is hardly an armlet or nose ring or anklet among your men. What is the reason for this? Tarzan asked too many questions. Better end his world now. <laughs> Wild elephant, run for life! Stalking Tarzan's party ripped through the village with savage fury. Native huts and scattered debris filled the air. The natives ran in all directions, escaping through some fantastic miracle. And high in a tree, Tarzan watched the scene. He could not spare time even now to hunt the deranged pachyderm, for his eyes must remain upon Ugar, the one native in the village who still wore ornaments of metal. That night, when the triad had dropped from exhaustion after hours of reveling, he saw Ugar walk from the crawl. Tarzan followed him and saw him enter a crude cabin several miles away. The lord of the jungle crept to a battered window and peered in. The native quaked as he stood before a white man. Well, it's about time you got here, Ugar. You expect me to stay up all night? Came soon I could. What did you bring this time? Uh, here. Many rings, bracelets. A uh, bunch of junk. Why didn't you bring some good stuff? Not much left in village. Already you have most. There's still plenty. You see this coin? Nadi. Now watch. I wave my hands and it's... God. So, where'd it go? The great Zaker has caused it to be no more. I am the greatest magician alive, and if you don't bring me some real stuff tomorrow night, I'll make you disappear in exactly the same way. Tomorrow night, Uga, try bring more. What you see in Crystal Ball today, great Zaker? The end of the world grows close, and if you die before I make peace for you, you'll go to the land of demons. No, no, don't send Uga to the land of demons. Our people send you all of rings and other ornaments. Ah, you'd better... You see this handkerchief? The, the D. What color is it? God, red. Now I pass it through my hands. Green. So can I change the fate of your people. When the full moon comes, you will go to the land of your ancestors or to the land of the demons. It's entirely up to me. Now, 
I want every coin and piece of jewelry in the village. I'm paying you for them. How much you pay for what Uga bring tonight? You've told no one outside of your tribe about me. No, I swear. Good. I shall pay you ten bottles of Kangara. Here. Take them. Let your chief distribute it. Go now. I, I go. Well, that's another tidy sum of... turn around or you'll feel the steel of my knife. Who are you? What do you want? I am Tarzan. And now that I see your game, I want a great deal. Yeah, sure. We can make a deal. The same deal you're giving the natives? Trading cheap whiskey for their jewelry? They get their money's worth. What do you suppose a bunch of this native junk is worth? I should say that the native junk, much of it made of pure gold and set with precious and semi-precious stones, should be worth a good deal of money in distant ports. Okay, so I found a good thing. Look... Uh, let me turn around and, and, and talk to you. I don't talk so well when I've got my back to a man. You can turn around, but my knife remains unsheathed. Sure, sure. Well, so you're Tarzan. Heard a lot about you. You will hear more unless you go to the native village with me and admit that your stories of the end of the world are nothing more than part of your magician's act. Oh, you're wrong. My, my prediction is true. I sought my crystal ball. I don't know where your crystal ball came from. But I know the amateurish tricks you showed the simple native tonight can be bought in any bazaar in the country for a few coppers. You speak hastily. I speak with knowledge. Such tricks are advertised in magazines in many countries and can be ordered by mail. Well, uh, a few of them, perhaps. But I also have many important feats of magic. Let me uh, let me show you uh, this one here. Stay at arm's length for me. Sure. <laughs> sure. But observe, my friend Tarzan, a great feat of magic. A mystical accomplishment of legerdemain. You uh, see this glass of water? Yes, I see it. I pour into it this small amount of white powder. So. And now the water is red. I suppose you're going to tell me that you have turned water into wine. I think that's the usual speech that goes with that trick. Oh, that's not the end of the trick. Watch carefully. Keep your eyes on the glass. See? Now I take the glass in my hand and I... Oh, my eyes! Eyes, I've been blinded. You see, Tarzan, you were wrong all along. I have some fine tricks. And you were wrong, too, about my prediction of the end of the world. It will come soon. For you. In just a moment, we shall return to our story. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Oh, 
From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. In the small shack of Zaker the Great, Tarzan sat on the edge of a soiled cot, his head hanging and held between his great hands. His legs were shackled to a thick iron ring in the wall. But this did not bother him nearly so much as the horror of blindness. The loss of one's eyesight is a tragedy to anyone. But it seemed an even more overwhelming catastrophe to one whose life was spent in the wilds of the jungle. For once, Tarzan was beaten. You want something to eat or not? No. No, nothing to eat. Mm. <laughs> you, you really ought to, you know. I fixed a mighty tasty dinner. A bit late for dining, perhaps, but uh, I've had a lot of things to get ready for tonight. This is the night of the full moon? Oh, yes, yes, there's a nice full moon. <laughs> uh, too bad you can't see it. <clears throat> Say, this, uh, this is good. Sure you don't want anything to eat or drink? Uh, got a couple of full bottles here yet. I want nothing. Uh, seeing this is your last night on earth, you're sort of upsetting a tradition... A condemned man's supposed to eat a hearty meal. Well, if you condemn me, why don't you go ahead and kill me? Why are you dragging out the torture? Oh, I, I've got a little plan for you. Uh, you're going to help me get rich. I don't know what fantastic plan you have, but what good will riches do you if, as you claim, this is the end of the world? Oh, you didn't really go for that stuff. No, no. Uh, the natives did, though. Yeah, but they're stubborn. They still haven't told me where they got the gold they make those ornaments of. So, once again, gold is the source of trouble. You should see some of the nuggets they've used to make necklaces. A few hours in the place where they get them and, and I'll be fixed for life. By the morning, the natives will know that you have told them nothing but lies, for the world will still be here. But I won't. By the time the storm is abated, I'll be well on my way to Mombasa. The storm? I hear no storm. <laughs> Zaker the Great, in addition to his magic, is also a student of science. Between my almanac and my barometer... I've made out that tonight there will be a great equatorial storm. But what is that? I've built for this for weeks now. The Nagayas expect the end of the world. When the storm breaks, they'll be sure it's come. Then I will enter their village with proof that I, Zaker the Great, am powerful over all. Then they will tell me where the mine is. They will do anything I command. And the proof you speak of? I will be leading the Lord of the Jungle on a chain. And they will find that the man no one else has been able to conquer has been transformed by Zaker the Great... Into a weak, crawling, blind creature. Torgo and the Reverend Martin had come to the village of the Nagalias, searching in vain for some trace of Tarzan. They could find nothing, nor could they extract any sort of an answer from the drunken, frenzied savages who danced about the tribal fire. It's no use, Torgo. They won't listen to us. Must find Tarzan. My resources are at an end. I hate to admit failure, but... Torgo we... not at end of his horses. Torgo has strong teeth. Torgo, what are you doing? Oh, oh, you devil boy. What's he do? He fight Ugar's leg. Now tell Torgo where Tarzan gone. Ugar not know. I told you. Tie up, small devil boy. Take boy, gag and tie to stake in center council ring. You're not tying the boy up, Sibali. Take boy away. Sibali, surely you've not forgotten all of the teachings of our Lord? Not Lord of Nagalius. He not stop end of world. There will be no end of this world tonight. The full moon has come and still... 
It's end of world. Like sake of the great say, end of world here. Let me get to the boy. Stop. <laughs> Leave boy alone. You not good. Tell us many lies. I'm going to get that boy if it's the last thing I know. Me pick up missionary. Drag him to Ima. Let missionary stay on ground where he is. Look. Sake of the great come. Brings prisoner. It's Tarzan. Well, uh, you convinced that the end of the world has come, that Zaker has told the truth? His truth. And now I call your attention to this weak, crawling creature. Do you know him? He's Tarzan. Yes, he's lord of jungle. No longer is he lord of anything. I have taken his power in his sight. It is a sign. Zaker the Great has power over all of you. He will deliver you to the land of happiness, or he will send you to the demons. Oh, don't send the demons. Save us. Save us. If I am to save you from the demons... You must have no secrets from me. Where is the gold mine? Another moment and it'll be too late to answer. Always we swear not tell white man where gold. I warn you. Unless you answer at once, you'll go to your doom like Tarzan. Blind and helpless. Ah! No, not blind as hell. big like Tarzan. We tell. Zipali, chief of the Goliaths tell. The place where we get gold is behind the... Lightning and the thunder and the screaming had brought the wild elephant to fever pitch. As he entered the village, trees were smashed as though they were matchsticks. The boma was torn aside by enormous yellow tusks. Native huts were demolished. Bodies were picked up in the great leathery trunk and then hurtled through space. Those about the council fire ran for their lives, save for a small native boy who was tied and gagged, a man of God who lay unconscious on the ground, a blinded giant, and the man to whom he was chained. And then the miracle happened. The elephant grasped Zaker in his trunk, breaking the chain that held him to Tarzan. Zaker was thrown against a huge rock, and then the mad animal charged in the direction of Torgo. Tarzan staggered a few steps, his arms outstretched in the gesture of the blind. And then suddenly the hands came down. He grasped his knife and hurtled himself through space. A moment before the elephant reached Torgo, Tarzan catapulted at the animal, his knife rising and falling, stabbing, twisting, piercing, killing. Torgo, you are all right? Yes, got gag out of mouth just in time. We must see if Mr. Martin is... Oh, there he is, on the ground. Mr. Martin, Reverend Martin. Wake up, wake up. Torgo, dent in this cloth in the small screen right there. Hurry! Surely heaven has protected you, Mr. Martin. I see the Prince of Tantor's hooves not an inch from your head. Here, Torgo, it's a cloth. Something. Maybe this will do some good. Mr. Martin, tell me that you're all right. Uh, Tarzan? Yes. Yes, it is Tarzan. Tarzan, who must tell you the story of a miracle. Do they come, Tarzan? Yes. Come, men of Nagalia. Your friend and teacher wishes to speak to you. I, uh, I think most of them are here now, Tarzan, those who are left. Chief Sibali, men of Nagalia, once again you have been hurt by the greed and evil of a white man. But just as there are good and bad black men, so there are good and bad white men. The evil Zakir is dead. The good Reverend Martin lives. Tarzan, who is a friend to all in the jungle, begs you to hear him. Speak, missionary. 
Brothers, for a little while you were misled by a man who showed you tricks, man-made miracles. This morning, as the sun shines down on us, we realize that miracles cannot be made by man. In the darkness and the rain, some strange things happened here. A small boy who was bound found great strength and managed to tear a gag from his mouth. A deranged animal ran wild, and yet his footsteps were guided so that I might be spared to help you. And a man who was blind was permitted to see again because he was needed. Perhaps men of science might explain this phenomenon. They would use words that I understand no better than you. Words like adrenaline and shock and stimuli. But I think all of us have a much more simple explanation. Reverend Martin... Some your words we not understand, but what you mean, we understand much. I do not think you ever really believed the world was to end, for if you had, there would have been no need to run from the elephant. Now we believe only what Mr. Martin teach us many years. If you believe, join me in the prayer I have taught you. Our Father, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In just a moment, we shall return to tell you about our next story of Tarzan. The girl had sung in a low, vibrant voice. But it was not the magnetism of her song alone, but the terror in her eyes that brought Tarzan to her aid. With enemies in constant pursuit, ever threatening to still the lovely voice forever, and to kill Tarzan for his interference, he manages to delay her inevitable fate as he guides her across a continent in our next story. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glesser. This is a Commodore production. Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. 
And now, in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Across the Continent. For many years, Africa has been a haven for the lost souls of Europe. Criminals and political refugees, misfits, outcasts, and social pariahs, all of them have poured into the dark continent. From Lisbon, they sail to Casablanca. From Marseille, they cross to Algiers. From Sicily, they flee to Tunis, or perhaps Tripoli. And from a dozen seething cauldrons of Europe, they filter into the obscure port of Pecorata. A soiled, disreputable city that sweltered in the equatorial sun, it seemed a strange place indeed to find Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Pardon me. Yeah? I wonder if you could direct me to the office of Eric von Horn. <laughs> office? Why do you laugh? Mr. von Horn is the government agricultural advisor to the natives, is he not? <laughs> oh, yes, he, he draws a salary for that, too. Well, then tell me where his office is, if you can. You're standing right in front of it. This? This? His office? But it's a cafe. Yes, it's a cafe, and Mr. Van Horn owns it. He dispenses information on agriculture, chief liquor at expensive prices, and anything else he can make a profit on. I see. This, uh, this picture in front, the girl, surely she can have no connection with a place like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, she caught your eye, did she? Well, can't say I blame you. She's the best-looking man trap Von Horn's ever had singing here. Not that she'll last long. I never do. She should not remain long in such a place. Don't let those innocent eyes fool you. She knows the score, all right. If she didn't, she wouldn't be in Becarada. Believe me, stranger, Mademoiselle Gabrielle is bad medicine. Her eyes look sad. Well, I didn't travel to Becerata to discuss cafe singers. I have business with Mr. Von Horn. Thank you for directing me to him. Oh, watch your step when you go inside. They keep the lights low, and their eyes are used to it. They're apt to pull a knife on you. They don't like your looks. I have a friend, a small native boy named Torgo, who claims that I resemble a monkey very closely. But I think he refers to my ability to climb trees rather than to my appearance. I'll take a chance that those inside will like my looks. Thanks again. Oh, what'll it be? No, I, I don't care for a drink. I would like to see Mr. Von Horn. Oh, you walk into a cafe, bold as brass, and you don't want a drink, huh? I told you I came to see Mr. Von Horn. Is he in? He ain't into a naked savage from the jungle. I wear the same clothes as do the natives whom Mr. Von Horn is paid to advise. I demand to see him. Look, stranger, you may be big, but around these parts... I will speak to him, Alak. I am Von Horn. What do you want? I have come here from the Punya country to get advice on agriculture... Their Kaffir corn grows poorly. Each season, the yield grows smaller. Why should you care? The Punyas are my friends. I, I traveled many moons to see you. I do not intend to return without some instruction from you. <laughs> well, you would like some instruction, eh? All right, I'll give you some. Come back to my table with me. Hello? Bring us some of my special stock. Oh, thank you, but I'll take the information without the drink. I'm unused to the white man's liquor. If you want to talk with me, you will drink with me. In civilization, it is considered rude to refuse to drink with a gentleman. I did not mean to offend you. If it is bad manners, I shall break my rule and drink with you while you tell me about raising kaffir corn. Good. But I am afraid you misunderstood me. I said I'd give you some instruction. I did not refer to instructions for the growing of corn. But what else could you instruct me in? In letting well enough alone. Look, what did you say your name was? My name is Tarzan. Look, Tarzan, I come to this country as a young man. I took my work seriously. I went into the bush to try to teach these lazy natives about soil erosion, crop rotation, increase of yield to cross-fertilization. But did it do any good? No. When they had ruined the soil in one section, they moved to another. You sound as though you know a great deal on the subject. I do. 
But I'm through with that thankless job. There's more profit and less work in other uh, fields of endeavor. Like running this cafe? Among other things. That, that girl there, the one who just walked in the door, she's the one whose picture is out front? What about her? Oh, nothing. I, I was just admiring her. She's very beautiful. Alec, where are those things? I was just bringing them. Here you are, boss. We are health, Tarzan. Well, you said you are going to drink with me. Oh, yes, yes. Well, here's to your health, Mr. Von Horn. <laughs> what made you ask about the girl? Oh, it was uh, just a natural inquiry. Her picture out front and then seeing her come in and disappear in the back. She went to her dressing room. She is an entertainer here. It is not wise to ask questions about people in Bagarata. Then I will ask no more questions, save those about Kathy Korn. I, I know something about... about crop rotation. About crop rotation. Yeah. Sure, it took long enough to get him, didn't it? There was enough in his drink to knock out an elephant. Take him down in the basement. Look him up. Why not take him to the jail? Tell him he wouldn't pay his bill after he got drunk or something. He will avoid contact with the officials until after we've taken care of the girl. This aborigine started asking questions about her. Soon there will be others asking questions. You think he knows something? He certainly didn't come here to get information on agriculture. Didn't fool me for a minute. Somebody should have told him it ain't healthy to ask questions around here. By this time it is apparent. And his health is apt to get worse and worse down in our cozy little basement. We shall return in just a moment to the exciting story of Tarzan. Night comes quickly in equatorial countries, and as the darkness descended on Becarata, the city came to life, and those whose livelihood depended on stealth and secrecy left their daytime haunts. In the cafe of Eric von Horn, intrigue flourished, but in the dank basement of his establishment, all was quiet, save for Tarzan's heavy, drug-laden breathing. Wake up. Wake up, jungle man. You, uh, you haven't much time. Uh, when they close the cafe, they'll attend to you. Uh, they won't stop at a few knockout drops. You, you are the stranger I met outside the cafe this afternoon. That's right. But you must have had a key to get in. Perhaps you are one of them. Don't worry. I have keys that'll open any door. But I'm not in league with Von Horn. I hate him. And we will join forces and have revenge. Let's say that I've had mine by freeing you. And I'd suggest you have yours by escaping and returning to your jungle. Now, you'd better get going. Give me a minute to clear out, and then leave by that door over there. Better keep to the side streets when you slip out of town. Tarzan crept up the rotted wooden steps from the basement to an alley. But he could not bring himself to sneak from the city like a criminal. Instead, he slid along the outside wall of the cafe. Through a window, he could see the girl whose picture he had noticed that afternoon. Glamorous and exciting in a dark dress of lace, she stood by the orchestra. And at a table near the window where Tarzan peered in, Von Horn and a huge man with a small mustache and a goatee stared at the girl intently. As she stepped to the center of the floor, she noticed them for the first time, and her eyes bespoke terror, contradicting the casual sensuousness of her song. Je 
shall go back to Mademoiselle Gabrielle's dressing room, huh? She is not going anywhere, Dupay. I have a man on the front door and one on the back. She won't get away. Then what are we waiting for? You haven't paid me yet. I shall give you what you are coming when I have my hands on the girl. I've waited too long and taken too many chances to risk a slip-up now. There won't be any slip-up. Finish your plan all, and then we'll go attend to the girl. What are you doing in my room? I overheard a conversation. One horn and another plot against you. Your life is in danger. So Von Horn did lead them here. I don't know who you are, but you've got to help me escape. I shall help. The man Von Horn posted at the rear door is helpless now. I saw to that. We can leave that way, but you must hurry. Well, I've got to get a few things. Here. Here, hold this bag. Yes. Thank you. I'm not used to running away, but Von Horn has many accomplices here, and if I were killed, you would still be in danger. Well, you don't have to apologize for not fighting. All you have to do is get me out of this jam. There. That's as much as I'll need. Let's go. Girl, she's getting away. Because then, how did he get out of that basement? Hello? Joe, Pietro, get them. He's picked the girl up in his arms. He runs with her. No, I shall never help you. They won't get away. I guess I fainted. When that last bullet whistled by us, I didn't feel too brave myself. Well, where are we? I can see leaves all about me, but I... Nature has provided this small platform of boughs in the top of a great tree. Top of a tree? Oh, get me down from oh, here. Oh, no, we're safe up here. But, but I can't stand heights. I never could. Your enemies hunt for you below. Why do those men seek you? You... You don't know, and yet you came to my rescue? You needed help. You're a funny guy. Who are you? Schmappel Tazen. Dressed like a savage and at home in the trees, and he speaks French. <laughs> I don't understand French except for a few songs I learned. But I take it your name is Tarzan. Yes. My name's Gabrielle. But you said you were not French. Oh, it's a stage name. You can call me Gabby. You, you did not tell me why the men wished to harm you. Well, it's a long story. You see, I'm an American, but I was stuck in Warsaw during the last war. I'd been working in a nightclub there. The Nazis admired me, and I was not arrested, so I was free to secure information for the Allies. Naturally, I made many enemies. And they still pursue you now? They'll never let me go. They followed me here. I changed my name and learned that French act. I thought I'd be safe, but somehow Von Horn learned of my past. He made certain demands on me, and when I refused him, he put my picture out front as a threat. And others beside Tarzan saw the picture? 
Did you see the large man? The one with the mustache and goatee? Yes. He was the head of the Gestapo in Warsaw. We shall return to Bekurata and report him to the authorities. Oh, no, no, Tarzan. Please, we can't do that. Why not? You know what they are in Bekurata. Government officials would promise to investigate. They, they might even put him in custody in his hotel room. Do you think that would stop Von Horn and him from killing me? It, it is all confusing. Certainly, we, we must turn to the government for help. And yet, Von Horn is an official of the Agricultural Bureau, and, and he refused me help. If, if you could just guide me to Luanda, I would be safe. I have friends there. Well, that's in Angola. It's all the way across the continent. And look, there. They're still pursuing us. You are strong and brave and wonderful. Surely you will not refuse to help me. I keep remembering the beauty of your song and, and the terror in your eyes. It makes refusal difficult. My eyes can look softly, too. And with you, I would know no terror. I shall guide you to Angola. But your days of terror are only beginning. We must cross the most dangerous jungle of all Africa. We will have to ford rivers and brave man-eating animals and overcome the greatest of obstacles. And unless my appraisal of your enemies is very wrong, we will be pursued every inch of the way. We'll return to our story of Tarzan in just a moment. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. All that night, Tarzan traveled through the upper level of jungle growth, carrying the frightened girl in his arms. Below them, Sheeta, the panther, sounded his mournful cry. In the distance, it was answered by the scream of Dango, the hyena, and the screeching of Manu, the monkey. Each time a new threat sounded, the girl's soft arms clutched Tarzan more fiercely. But as morning broke, her fears abated somewhat. Could, uh, could we go down to the ground now? <laughs> All right. I think we've lost our friends. At least for the moment. I don't know how I stood it. If I ever get my feet on the ground, I'll never leave it again. <laughs> there you are. Terra firma. Oh, honestly. Now Latin and French and English. <laughs> I can't figure you. Oh, my story's even longer than yours. But I'll try to make it brief. My parents were English. They were marooned on the African coast. And later they were killed by savage apes. But I was rescued by a mother ape who had lost her own child. She raised me, and I learned to hunt and fight and leap from tree to tree, as did the ape tribe. <laughs> My small friend Torgo, a native boy, claims I am a monkey. Not in your appearance or speech. Ah, yes, the speech. Well, I, I spoke only the language of the apes until I was 20, and then other white people were marooned near the cabin where my parents died. A Frenchman taught me the language of man for the first time, and then later I, I traveled extensively, and I learned many languages and the ways of many people. But always I, I returned to Africa. Well, I'm glad you were in Africa last night. Well, Tarzan... In the trees. Savages. Natives. They've been following us for the last hour. 
They're a friendly tribe, but this is their land, and they observe us to find out our intentions. Oh. Jumbo! They do not want to make talk, I guess. What hideous-looking painted faces. <laughs> Perhaps they do not approve of the way in which civilized women paint their faces. They will not bother us, but they will watch us closely until we've passed into the country of another people. Oh, I'm frightened. And there's a great distance to the Portuguese Angola. I will... Gather some fruit, and then we will resume our journey. I won't go up in those trees again. Huh? How will you travel? I'll walk. In those shoes? What about my shoes? Well, they're not meant for a trek across the jungle, even though they are sturdier than some I've seen on women's feet. What, what do they call that manner of footwear? They're called wedgies, and I'm not giving them up. <laughs> All right. Only we, we do have a start on Von Horn and the others. If you were to walk in those wedgies, they, they might catch up. Oh, no, no, they mustn't. Perhaps I, I could kill a small animal and make a pair of moccasins for you. You could put those wedgies in the little bag you carry if you're so fond of them. All right, fine. Oh, Tarzan, where are you going? To find your future shoes. Oh, no, no, Tarzan, please. Please don't leave me alone. But Tarzan had already caught the scent of Wapi, the antelope. And with his knife unsheathed, he glided through the forest. In a matter of minutes, he had killed the small animal, stripped it of its soft hide, and cut off enough of its meat to supply a good meal. And then suddenly he sensed that the girl was in great trouble. He wheeled and ran back like Bara the deer. But already the deadly python, which had hung motionlessly from a tree, had begun to wind its great coils about Gabby's slender body. Tarzan sprang from the brush, and his knife found its mark in the brain of the writhing reptile. It's, it's all right. You're all right, Gabby. You saw the snake is dead. Tarzan, don't leave me. Ever again. My moccasins almost worn out, Tarzan. They served well, considering I had no time to cure the skin properly. How far must we travel yet? It, it seems as though we've been beating our way through this jungle forever. Well, let us stop and rest for a moment, Gabby. Oh, yes, that's right. Gabby, we've been walking for weeks now, and... There are still many weeks travel before us. Each day the enemy comes closer. Let me carry you through the upper level so that we can increase our speed. No, darling. Even if I could overcome my fear of the heights, I couldn't stand the jostling. My, my ribs still haven't healed. You were lucky the python didn't do more than crack a few ribs. Oh, but you're a brave girl, Gabby. Not so brave. I can't sleep at night for fear of Von Horn and the leader of the Gestapo. I plead with you for the last time. Let... Let me build a boma for you, a tall one, well-spiked. You'll be safe within it, and then I can turn back and fight your enemies. No, Tarzan, don't leave me in the name of heaven. Don't leave me. All right, Gabby, all right. Come on, now, cheer up. Sing, sing the song I heard you sing that first night. J'attendrai. I... Oh, Gabby, Gabby, I... I, sh I won't let anything harm you. Ever again. You have to run faster, Gabby. They're gaining on us. I, I can't run any faster. They're surrounding us. Our only hope is that cave ahead. But we don't know what's in the cave. We know what's outside. Come on, Gabby. I can't. I'll pick you up. We'll make that cave yet, Gabby. Gabby, go! 
That water? It's an underground river. If we were where it empties into the sea, we'd be safe. We're close to Angola? It must be just over the ridge. Less than a mile from this cave. Hold up, guys, at the entrance. They won't get away now. Oh, uh, Jabby, quiet. Quiet. We might fool them yet. We know you are inside. If you walk out with your hands up, we will not shoot. Take my hand, Gabby. Where are we going? We must find the river. Uh, if you come out, we will not harm you. We're only after the girl. Here's the underground river, Gabby. Are you game? For what? Our only hope is to take a deep breath and then try to swim underwater until the river flows into the open. But how far is that? I don't know, Gabby. This is your last chance. You don't come out when I count three. We pepper every inch of the cave with machine gun fire. I'm not a very good swimmer, Tarzan. Run! I'll help you. Why are you changing your shoes at the time like this? My wedgies are lighter. Oh. All right, then take a deep breath now. It may be your last. We made it, Gabby. We made it, huh? Ahead, the sunshine. All right, Mr. Oh. Tarzan and Mademoiselle Gabrielle, climb out of the water. Never. Well, I beg of you, do not make me shoot. In the name of the Sûreté, I implore you to surrender. The Sûreté? The police of France? Oh, no, Tarzan, don't let them arrest me. I'll help you up, Gabby. Well, a little scheme work, Captain Dufay. Now, I... The reward money would be yours, Manon. Now, step aside. This is official business. Carson, would you like to take care of our charming young prisoner here? I'll take care of her, all right. A little pair of bracelets for you, mademoiselle. Handcuffs. And after all I've been through... The stranger who released me from Juan's basement? I'll relieve you of that bag, Gabby. Someone tell me what this is all about. The lady you've been escorting through the jungle, Tarzan, has many aliases and many stories. Sometimes she's a European princess in exile, sometimes a member of the underground, fleeing from the Nazis who still pursue her, even now. Sometimes, well, she has a dozen stories and names to match. But who is she, really? Uh, one of the cleverest jewel smugglers in history. She's wanted in a dozen countries. I represent the Sûreté. Monsieur Carson here represents the FBI of the United States. And von Horn? A paid informer. It's unfortunate that we have to resort to them, but in cities like Bekurata, there is no other way. But von Horn drugged me, and the man you call Carson released me. That just doesn't make sense. It makes very good sense. Van Horn was afraid you knew the girl and intended to ruin his game. Carson released you so that you could save her. You see, we did not know where she carried her present shipment of gems. But we did know that if she made a break for it, with your help, she'd take them along. Is this true, Gabby? Yes, Tarzan, I'm sorry. Did you find anything, Carson? Yeah, just about a million dollars worth of uncut diamonds oh. in the bottom of her wedgies. It all adds up. We do not intend to press charges against you, Tarzan. Uh, you were an innocent tool. <laughs> Believe me, you are not the first man this woman has made a monkey out of. Uh, a monkey? Maybe Torgo was right all along. <laughs> In just a moment, a preview of our next thrilling story of Tarzan. The killer, as he was known in boxing circles, stood well over seven feet in height and weighed more than 300 pounds. His red-rimmed eyes and savage mane indicated that he had come honestly by his ring name. But there are no electric arc lights, no rules, and no referee when he meets Tarzan in the jungle. It's a fight to the death in our next story. Tarzan... And the killer. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glesser. This is a Commodore production.
this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>